If I haven't met you before, I'm Jeff Leder. I'm on the ministry team here. And it's a great privilege to be able to preach from uh, this wonderful uh, letter to, of Paul to the Ephesians. It's, um, it was great to sing that song because in Ephesians 1, which we looked at last week and we're going to look at it a bit more today, we're talking about the blessings of God, his rich blessings to us. And in fact, the, um, the whole theme of Ephesians uh, revolves around the Christian's riches in Christ. Paul states that right at the head of the letter. The Christian's riches in Christ. If you're a Christian believer, you are wealth. You are wealthy beyond compare. And as Paul reminds us, that everyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ has been blessed with God with every spiritual blessing. This is just not talking about material blessings. We're talking about spiritual blessings, which when you start to step back and think, are so much better and greater than anything we can be blessed with materially. And God has given us an incredible array of magnificent gifts, gifts that far surpass anything, anything that this world can offer us. Paul tells us in um, the first paragraph in Ephesians 1 that we are chosen. We are God's chosen special people. And we are created for a purpose. And that purpose was to have a relationship with our creator God. You and you and you and you have all been chosen by God. Not only that, but you're adopted. We're all adopted into God's family. And as adopted children, we have all the rights and privileges of naturally born children. And we're accepted by God. That's a big one. We're accepted as we are. We don't have to be perfect to come into God's presence or to have a relationship with him. God accepts us, warts and all, just as we are. It is incredible when we find sometimes so hard to accept ourselves. Not only that, we had three blessings from God the Son, Jesus. We are redeemed. We're bought with an incredible price by Jesus himself. And through Jesus' death on the cross, we are forgiven by God. We don't have to live with guilt anymore. We don't have to carry that burden of guilt around us. We don't have to fear God's wrath and judgment at the end of our days on earth. What's more, we know what God's will is. It's been revealed to us. His plan of salvation to unite all things to himself. We are an inheritance. What's an inheritance? It's something of value that's passed on when someone dies. Jesus has died for us and we are precious in God's sight. We are valuable to God and so we are God's inheritance just as we have an inheritance in heaven for eternity. And the Holy Spirit, that part of God that lives within us, is a seal and a guarantee that God will keep all his promises to us. Now I need to recap that because... It flows on to this next section in Ephesians. But it's so important because my question is, are you enjoying God's rich gifts and blessings? 
these riches that God has given to you, are you enjoying them? Well, I have to say, sadly, in my experience, that many Christian believers have very little idea of what God has given to them. And that's a really sad thing because these are really, really wonderful things. Blessings, riches. It's as though God has opened a bank account in our name. And he's given us wonderful little card. You know, it's one of these things in my pocket here. One of these cards. And it's from God. It's a heavenly debit card. But sadly, many people have these things, but they never access the account to see what they have. They know they have it. That's a reality. But basically, only I and Kathy know what's in behind this card. So how are we going to benefit from the blessings God has given us if we don't access the account and use what we find there? We have to go to that heavenly ATM and put in the card and see what's there, extract these blessings and use them. It's absolutely worthless if we don't do that. You know, it's not enough just knowing that God has given us an abundance of riches if we don't use them. It's a little use in just having faith in God. If we don't step out and trust God and act on that faith. Yes, it takes courage, it takes guts. But when we do, when we do step out, it actually unlocks the door to the riches that God has set aside for us if we just dare to step out and put our faith into action. Let me illustrate this way. Has anyone heard of a guy called Henrich Schleiman? No. Nobody. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> I can tell you about Henrich Schleiman. He was born, he's a German. He was born in Germany in 1822. And when Henrik was about seven or eight years old, he saw a picture of the ancient city of Troy in flames. Now, that picture captured Henrik, Heinrich, Henrik Schleiman's imagination. You see, most people believed the great Greek poet Homer. He wrote two very well-known poems. Do you know what they are? Odyssey and the Iliad. And uh, most people believe that they were fictional accounts. But Heinrich Schleiman came to believe that they were based on fact. And so he set out to prove it. And in 1873, he uncovered the ancient site of Troy. Now there's... Troy is a very nondescript paddock. Uh, it hasn't got sort of magnificent uh, structures and temples and ruins of buildings. Um, so this is why it was so hard to find. And people have been scratching around for years trying to figure out where Troy was. Well, Heinrich Schleiman actually uncovered Troy, dug through all the layers, he did through the excavations. He actually found a great treasure uh, in part of this, um, this place. And he smuggled that treasure out of uh, Turkey, much to the anger of the Turkish government. Today, you can see the excava- excavations. We've actually been there. It's a bit of a tourist attraction. It has this, which is like the big banana of Troy. You can actually, <laughs> you 
he can climb into the Trojan horse. And that's me and my daughter hanging out the window at the top there, <laughs> waiting for the camera. So, um, as I say, it hasn't got the sort of um, ancient structures that you look at, but you've got a big hole in the ground with little signs. But they built this thing just to sort of keep the tourists happy. So that's, uh, that's tr- modern-day Troy. Well, Henrik Schleiman became a very wealthy, famous man because he dared to believe in an ancient record and he acted upon his beliefs. Now, the point is that Paul also, the Apostle Paul, wanted the Ephesian believers to put their faith into action. He wanted them to understand what God had given to them. He wanted them to look into their divine bank account, into their divine vault, if you like, to see what God had blessed them with. And, and this was the first step into unlocking the treasures they had as their right, as the children of God. So Paul prayed passionately for them in this prayer that we're going to look at. And he prayed that God would reveal to them four things. And this is a great prayer. It's just not Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. It should be our prayer for each other. So that's why it's important to actually take note of what's written there. If you look in, uh, what is it, page 1173 in the chair Bibles? Uh, It's good to have the passage out. I'm not going to put the verses up today, so you can follow along in the passage there. But the first uh, thing that Paul wanted the Ephesians to know, that they'd grow in their knowledge of God, that they'd grow in their knowledge of God. Because we cannot understand much of anything else without a knowledge of God. You see, God is our creator. He created this world. He created the universe. He's our sustainer. He's our governor, a saviour, our judge. You know, if you you want to know how creation works, then get in touch with the guy who made it. Get in touch with the creator. If we want to understand our function and purpose in life, we need to understand the maker and his purpose and his will for us. For us to grow in holiness and spiritual maturity. We need to know God more than just as our saviour who died on the cross for us. We need to develop a deeper knowledge and relationship with him. And you know, the more we get to know him, the more satisfying and fulfilling our spiritual lives will be. But such knowledge is impossible without revelation. So Paul prays that God would give them, in verse 17, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You see, the Holy Spirit is the agent of revelation of God. He's the teacher of the people of God. Notice that Paul isn't asking that the Holy Spirit be given to Christian believers. They already have the Spirit. What he is asking is that the Spirit's ministry of revelation be a part of believers' lives so that their eyes would be open to know and understand God's truth. Now, this doesn't mean that we put our brains on hold, that we just park our thinking processes, that that we just pray and wait for the illumination of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that at all. What it does mean is that as we read and study God's revelation to us, his word, the Bible, 
the Holy Spirit helps us understand what we read. The Holy Spirit is part of the process, a combination of mind and spirit that makes the Bible, this book, the living and active word of the living God. This is how we grow in our knowledge of God. It's the first key to unlocking the riches that God has given to us. The first thing we come to in the bank account that God has given us, that we may grow in the knowledge of God through his word and by the Holy Spirit working through us. The second key, the second thing that Paul plays for is that believers might know why God has called them. Our life as God's children is an altogether new life. Where are we sitting? (laughs) He got it. (laughs) New Life Church. And this is a new life in which we know and, and love and obey and serve our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy fellowship with him and with each other. And God has called us not just to worship him and enjoy him in the present, but we are also called to enjoy him in glory forever and ever and ever. That's the Christian hope. But why have we been chosen? What is God's purpose for us as individuals? We've got the big picture, but what about specifically? You know, there is a specific call of God on our lives as individuals. Some activity or task that God has called us to do that will bring him glory and see the growth of his kingdom. This may be an area of ministry or service that God has equipped us for in a very unique and special way and for which he has provided us the spiritual gifts and empowered us to serve him, serve in his name. It may be in our homes, raising our children. It may be in our workplace with our work colleagues. It may be in a sporting association or a club that we're a member of. But God has placed us here and in those positions for a purpose, for a reason. So Paul wants his readers to know and understand both the purpose and the hope of God's calling because he knew that once we understood the goal of our lives, this understanding provides a very powerful motivation to serve God and see his power at work both in our lives and in the lives of those we serve. So that's the second key is to know God's calling. In the same way, Paul wants us to be very much aware of the rich blessings that God has given to us. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of what we already have in Christ. Didn't work. Sorry, that's it. What are God's riches? We've talked about some of the blessings, and they are truly riches, spiritual riches. But digging further, we see in Galatians 5.22, where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, these fruits are an outcome of a relationship with Jesus, and they're the, the product of a life filled with the Holy Spirit. These are riches beyond comparison. Paul lists things like love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And think about it for a moment. How blessed are people who know God's love, who experience the warmth of his touch. How blessed are people who know the joy of the Lord in their lives. It just radiates out from them. And how good is it to know the peace of God, that peace which passes all understanding, that produces a calmness, a serenity, a peace in our lives. When we can park worry at the feet of our Lord, knowing he is in control. That's true peace. And who appreciates the blessing of patience? both within ourselves or when people show us patient, who are patient with us and our shortcomings. And isn't it great to be on the receiving end of someone's kindness and goodness? But how much better to be able to show kindness to somebody else, to do something good for no, um, for no reason, for no um, seeking of a reward. Just showing kindness and goodness because you love God. That's a blessing. That's a rich, rich, it's rich wealth. And then who doesn't admire people who are characterised by their faithfulness and trust in the Lord? I, I shared a little story with a lady, an elderly lady, who I knew in another church. And she was one of the faithful saints who prayed. And she had this wonderful list of people she prayed for consistently, regularly. She said, I just keep praying for these people and work my way through my list. And sometimes I get tired and I fall asleep. Then I wake up again and I just keep praying through my list. I'll take up where I've left off. I thought, how good is that? And I visited this lady a few days before she died in hospital. And uh, I chatted to her, I prayed for her. And I got up to go and she said to me, before you go, I want to pray for you. And she prayed a prayer which I can't remember the words, but I just remember coming out of that hospital just being so uplifted by a godly, faithful lady who prayed for me, prayed into my heart. And I didn't know whether my visit to her gave her more joy or whether her prayer for me gave me more joy. It was just one of those encounters I'll never forget. But this was a person characterised by faithfulness and trust in the Lord. But just to complete the suite, how about those people whose lives are characterised by gentleness and self-control? A gentle spirit. Somebody who can control the words that come out of their mouths, the, the way they conduct themselves, what they say, how they do things. That's self-control. But you know, Paul doesn't pray for these things to be added to our bank account but rather that we should grow in knowledge and understanding of what we already have. That's a really marvellous thing. These, these are things that, just not for certain individuals out there, these are gifts available to us all. And what Paul is saying is, is that they are there for us to use and to appreciate and to enjoy. It's not God's intention that they be locked away for later use. He has made them available for every single one of us to use and enjoy in the here and now. Okay, now the fourth thing we come to... Oh, sorry. Yeah, here we go. 
is for, Paul wants us to be aware of the incredible power, the strength, the energy that God makes available to us. Now what we're talking about is a divine, dynamic, eternal, inexhaustible source of energy and power. This is something that's not static and inert. This is something vital. We're talking about an infinite source of power that we can tap into, that we can tap into. Paul says this is the kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the power that seated Jesus at God's right hand in heaven. And it is the power that gives Jesus the authority and dominion over every king and ruler on earth and over every spiritual being in heaven, not only in the present, but for eternity, forever. And it's also the power that made Jesus the head of the church. I'm sorry, it's not Stuart, it's not the archbishop, it is Jesus. And Paul calls the church the body of Christ and the head of the body is Jesus. Now this power is, is awesome. When I was an electrical engineer, long ago now, I worked in power stations where the generators were actually the size of this building and they were pushing out millions of watts of power. We talked in the industry in terms of hundreds of thousands of volts and thousands of amps. But you know, this is minuscule compared to the power of God. God created the stars, massive balls of energy, thousands of times bigger than the earth. And our sun is just a tiny speck in a universe that's dotted with literally millions or billions of stars, some massively bigger than our sun. And God, God our created God, just spoke them into existence at the beginning of time. This is our awesome God. This is a God of power, a God of majesty. This is the God we worship. And this is the God who wants to have a relationship with us. A God who sees us as precious and valuable in his sight. And he wants to welcome us into his presence. You know, it often amuses me when people get caught up with the occult, with astrology, with new age practices. And much of the motivation for doing so comes from curiosity about the unknown and the possibility of tapping into supernatural power, which tends to give people a sense of control over the forces of nature and, over, and even over other people. But you know, this, this, this is kid stuff compared to the power that Christian believers have at our fingertips. The problem with many Christians is that they firstly do not know the great riches that, are, that God has given to them. Secondly, they don't know what to do with these riches even when they know what they are. And thirdly, they don't realise the power that God makes available to them to use his riches in the way they were meant to be used. They lack the knowledge of God. They lack the knowledge of God's purposes. They haven't worked through the manual, this great book. God's given us this book, the Bible, to learn how to use his gifts. Or perhaps people haven't bothered to study it and learn from it. But we need to ask ourselves, why do we need such power? 
Why do we need such power? Well, firstly, let me say we are, by nature, too weak to appreciate and appropriate this wealth and use it as it was meant to be used. You know, Matthew 26, 41, it says, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And indeed, that is so true. We are constrained by our own human weaknesses. We're constrained by our tongue or our temper, by malice, by greed, lust, jealousy, pride. These things, honestly, are certainly beyond our power to control. So we need God's power to energise and mobilise us. He doesn't expect us to do it all by ourselves. God has promised to supply all that we need. And he will give us the power to overcome our inhibitions and our insecurities. He will give us the power to confront injustice and oppression. He will give us the strength and ability to speak up when so many others remain silent. He will give us hearts of compassion and love to see his will done in this world we live in. And the Holy Spirit will enable us to enjoy the blessings of God's peace, a peace that passes all understanding. And he will fill our hearts with inexpressible joy as we allow the Lord to work in us and through us. How good is that? How good is that? But before I finish, I need to mention another reason why we need God's power. There are enemies, thieves, who want to rob us of our wealth. These are the forces of the evil one, of Satan. And Satan wants to steal the blessings and riches we have as our right as children of God. Satan wants to destroy our relationship with God. He wants to destroy our relationship with each other. And he wants to destroy the relationship within the members of our own family. So be aware and be on guard. Satan is a subtle and devious enemy. He's the father of lies. And you know what? We can never defeat these spiritual forces in our own power and strength. But we can through the Spirit's power. So Paul wants us to know the greatness of God's power. He wants us to know what is in our armoury and he wants us to use it against the enemy because the enemy wants to deprive us of our wealth so that we cannot use our wealth and enjoy the gifts and blessings that God wants us to have. The power of the Holy Spirit through the resurrected, ascended Christ is available to all Christian believers by faith. His power is for us who believe. It is grace that supplies the wealth. We didn't work for any of this. We didn't, don't earn it. It is given as a gift, as a blessing of grace. But faith, it is faith that lays hold of this wealth. It is through faith that is trusting God to stay true to his promises that we appropriate the power of God in our lives. And we need to act on our faith 
so that we can enjoy God's richest blessings to the fullest? Or are you carrying around an unopened bank account or a closed vault, not knowing and not realising the wealth, the blessings, the power or the riches that are at your fingertips? What is your decision? Because it's your decision to open that account and to enjoy God's richest blessings. So would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we do stand in awe of you. And we are so grateful that you have called us to know you as your children. Our Lord, may our relationship with you deepen and grow as we study and read your word and experiencing and experience you working through us in our lives. Lord, we pray that we might know your purposes for us in this world. We pray that we may know the rich gifts that you've bestowed on us and that you would help us to use those gifts for your glory to serve you and to serve other people and Lord let us not be frightened of your awesome power but to use what you have given us to stand firm against the trials and tribulations of this life and to speak boldly and to go boldly where you take us Lord Father, we praise you as our Lord, as our God. We glorify you and we enjoy being with you. We enjoy being in your family as your precious, beloved and accepted children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.